The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. So before we get into this, this, this text this morning, which is going to, we're going to base this message this morning on Revelation chapter one, I just want to give just a couple of thoughts up front. And the first one would be this, um, we are going to be doing, starting today, a new sermon series on the book of Revelation. You've been asking for it, so, so here we go, which means that you have to come back um, next week as we, as we continue to get into um, a prophecy about, about the end times. So we're going to begin into the book of Revelation here this morning, and this sermon series is called Victorious. The second thing that I wanted to say is this. What did we come here? This is a question for you, really. What did, what did you come here for this morning? Did you come here to play house? I, I don't think so. And so a little bit apologi- apologetically, but not apologetically, um, put on your hard hats, okay, and your life jackets. Because this is a story about a, a man who died and rose again. And we're not here to joke around. So I'm, I'm bringing it. <laughs> I think you want me to, actually. I, I feel it. Like, you want me to bring it, so I'm, I'm going to. And um, I know we don't usually do this because we, we usually only stand for the gospel lesson. But, but Jesus, in, in just a second, is going to speak his first words in the book of Revelation. And he's worthy. So I'm going to ask you to please stand. And we're going to read this. This is from the very beginning of the book of Revelation. We're going to pick it up at verse four. And if you're at home, pull out your Bibles because you're going to want to be able to follow along here. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve as God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which says, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstand was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of rushing waters. 
In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like sun shining, and it's all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I'm honestly not sure how to feel about this little Lord's Day surprise. Because that's what it was. I, I, don't, I don't know how to think about the fact that, that, that Jesus, we might call sneaky Jesus this morning, came up from behind John. I, I've tried that tactic before in my life. There was this one time, I'm a little embarrassed of it actually these days, but at the time I was living in, in, in Wisconsin and I really wanted to propose to my, my now wife, Amanda, in the, middle of New, in the middle of New York City. I thought it'd be kind of cool. This was before I lived here. And um, so I flew out to New York. She was on a business trip with her company at the time and her coworker brings her into into Central Park. So I got this idea that I would sneak up on her. <laughs> so I hid myself in a bush. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty naive, right? And I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I think some of the local New Yorkers got a little freaked out about that. It's like this six foot two white guy in a bush. <laughs> so they send this NYPD officer really nice lady. And she said, sir, you should come out from there. (laughs) And honestly, I think Amanda was grateful for it. That I didn't come up from behind her. John didn't have that gift from an NYPD officer. Jesus just showed up behind him. In fact, the way that he tells the story is this. He said, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. I'm not sure how to feel about that. In fact, like (laughs) when I first started, when I first started studying this, I called a couple people up and I I said, guess what Jesus did? (laughs) He came up from behind John and he went (laughs) like a trumpet, like Can you imagine somebody do that? Like you come up behind them and then, and you're like, what is this April Fool's Day? Is this some kind of joke? And I I thought, is that what Jesus is doing here? And I thought, no, God, no. This isn't April Fool's Day. In fact, the the truth is that, that Jesus is totally in earnest here. He, he comes up, from behind John, and, and at no point, at no point does, does he like blow the trumpet of his voice, and then all of a sudden he, 
he hits John on the arm. And he's like, gotcha. Happy Easter, John. Here I am. In fact, he, he says to John, write. Sit down and write a letter. Like it was deadly serious and somber moment. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine such a thing happening today? Like, like instead of hearing the seven train pounding behind us, that, that Jesus would, would come in in the middle of it all. Like, here we are on the Lord's Day, and, and together we're, we're in the Spirit. Like, you put yourself there, and then, and then Jesus comes up behind me and goes, and, and I, get, I, I, I would guess that not a single person would laugh. You see, I, I, think, I think the reason why Jesus comes up and surprises John is because he wants John to know that this isn't going to be a normal Lord's Day. This isn't going to be a normal Easter celebration for him, and it isn't going to be for us either. Maybe, maybe we get the wrong idea, like that, that Easter's all about watching little girls jump up and down in their pretty dresses and that Easter's about biting off the head of sugar-coated chicks and, and pastel colors and stuff like that. But, but John, John found out that it, it's going to come out at him from behind. Like, this is going to be a total surprise that, that, John, you better buckle up. You better, you better put on your life jacket. You better, you better put on your hard hat because this is, this is something that's going to be deadly serious. Like, he is saying in every sense of the word, John, Easter's happening. And John, that might not be a good thing. See, this is, this is the moment when things like go off the rails for John. Because he, he turns and he looks. And at, and at first, his eyes like must have taken in the peripheral stuff because he, he starts describing what he sees when he, when he turns and looks at this trumpet, Jesus and the trumpet. And he, and he looks and he sees the seven candelabra there. And he takes that in, they're made of gold. And, and then he sees this figure. It's like a human being, like a son of man. But then... But then his eyes begin to take in the whole scene and his heart is filled with terror. Horror. First, he describes the hair. Ageless hair. Wise hair. White hair flowing. And then the eyes. Eyes that were like burning fire. Like when they would look at you, they could penetrate you and they could look to the bottom of your soul and know everything about you. And then he saw the, the bronze feet, the strength that was there, the power, the, the dominion. He's seeing all of this. He hears, he hears a voice that, that, that commanded like, like none other, and then, and then there was the lumens, the, the, the glory. Like John, John had been there. He'd been there on the Mount of Transfiguration, and somehow he had, he had offered this 
this dumb idea that they should, they should build these shelters. And at some point, he was able to just stand there and take the brilliance on, on that transfiguration mountain. But here, here he stands in a glory and in a light that he could only compare to seeing the solar sun from 10 feet away. And he's, he's just overwhelmed. He, he can't adapt. So he face plants. Happy Easter. <laughs> this is how John tells the story. This is from verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I'm not exactly sure what that means. It, it, maybe it means that he just fainted. Could be. Maybe it means that his heart stopped momentarily. For sure, what we can say is that for John in everyday life in, in Patmos, he was able to adapt. He, his organism could, could figure out a way. But here he is, his normal mechanisms for staying upright were completely overcome. And so in some way, he just falls face down and, and dies. Because that's what happens when we come in, into contact with the holy. It's, it's what always happens. There's a great uh, trilogy. This one written by C.S. Lewis many years ago. And in, in one of the books named Paralander, the main character, Ransom, comes into contact with the holy. This time it was an angel. And this is just great prose. This is how Ransom describes the moment. He says he saw a tornado of sheer monstrosities seemed to be pouring over Ransom. Darting pillars filled his eyes. Light, lightning, pulsations of flames, talons and beaks and billowy masses of what suggested snow volleyed through cubes and hectagons into an infinite black void and Ransom yelled, stop it, stop it, I can't take it. And those were only angels. Like the angels that, that appeared to the soldiers on Easter morning, you know the story, and they, they were like dead men. This is him. This is, this is the crucified one. This is, this is the resurrected one. And John, he turns and looks and bonk. Can't take it. Now, I, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that before where all of your concerns just narrow down to one thing. I, you know, it, it reminds me of this one time where I had to take someone that I loved to the ER because the, they had said, well, this person 
has heart palpitations and everything narrowed down to that one thing. I got to get this person to the ER. Nothing else matters. Maybe you've been in a moment like that where, where all of your concerns are reduced down to one thing. Like this is, this is that moment for John. The only concern that he had in that moment is what's Jesus going to do with me? And if we're honest, like we have to think about that on Easter. A lot of times, a lot of times, we think that that Easter is about this vague sense of hope, or like that that Easter is about the sales at at Macy's, or you know, little Easter bunnies hopping around, or maybe I'm going to go to church and I'm going to hear a decent sermon and and hear some decent music, and I'm going to leave and I'm just going to be a little bit more hopeful. And then the pastor, he stands in front of everyone and he tries to convince you. Maybe I've done this too. Try to convince the people that are there, look, you should believe in him. i got all kinds of reasons why you should believe in him. And, and then, then the pastor says all kinds of things to make you think that Jesus is relevant to your life. But John turns all of that, he turns it all upside down, and he's like, none of that matters. It doesn't even matter if you believe it. What matters is that he lives. And one day you're going to meet him. And he's reducing all of our concerns down to one. That same concern that John had as he laid there dead. What's Jesus going to do with me now? And then it's, it's, it's so beautiful what happens. This is the Jesus that we know. It's the way I imagine it. John is, is face down, and Jesus bends down on his knees. And John says, that he gives us this detail at least, that Jesus put his right hand on him, which means that, that he, he must have been able to feel it in his back, right? That his thumb was sticking off to the left, and then there was four fingers, the pierced hand. And, it, and it's on John's back and that same hand that that had healed so many that, that same hand that had risen from the dead the same hand that had been poked like a pig on a cross that same hand was now on John and out of that hand was was flowing life so John as if from sleep snaps out of it Jesus raises him up and then John hears these words that we all yearn to hear. The first words out of Jesus' mouth were these. Do not be afraid. Mm. Of all the emotions in the world, isn't it true? I, I wonder if this is true. We should ask ourselves this question. like, Is it fear that we have the most, especially when we come into God's presence? Is it fear? Fear that we're not good enough. Fear that He won't love us. Fear that maybe it's not true. Fear, fear for our kids and for our families and for our future. Fear, 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 fear. We have so many things to fear. And then Jesus puts His hand on John. And He says, John, put it away. 
Do not be afraid. John, it's me, Jesus. I am the first, and I am the last. I was dead, but never again. And John, I hold the keys of death and hell. Which means, by the way, we can argue from the greater to the lesser. If he holds the keys of death and hell, then he holds the key to everything. And there he is. Do not be afraid. You know what I want this morning? This has been my, my prayer since thinking about this sermon. Brooke said this morning, he said, good luck, Daddy. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. And I told her, I don't need luck. Because Jesus is alive. My prayer is, is a very simple one this morning. Is that you would see Jesus as John saw. But more than that, that you experience with John that resurrection life. Because what, what Jesus is trying to show John, and what he's trying to show us this morning, is that he is not against us. He is for us. In fact, look where he is standing. He is standing among the seven churches. He is for us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? So you got to make a list. That's what I think you have to do. You, you got to make a list of, of all the things that you don't have to fear. You might fear them anyway. But all the things that you do not have to fear, because Jesus, the one with flaming eyes, you know that guy, the one with bronze feet, the one with a, a sword coming out of his mouth, that Jesus. What are, make a list of all the things that you no longer have to fear because he is with us. And because he is risen. I started one. <laughs> How about this? I'll just give you a few because I don't want to put you to sleep. Here's the first one. You don't have to worry or fear that you're confused. You don't have to worry or fear like, I wonder if Jesus is really risen. I wonder if he is the life and the truth and the way. You can know it now. Because he's risen. We're not confused. You don't have to be afraid of that. Here's another one. You don't have to be worried about your loved ones who are now with him. And you yourself, you don't have, you might be, but you don't have to be afraid to die. Because Jesus is risen. And he's not going to leave any single person whom he has loved to death on a cross in the tomb. He will not. You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid. Here's a, here's a, I'll, 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 I'll give you just one more. You don't have to be afraid of your future. Not for your kids. Not for your church. Not for yourself. Not for your job. You don't have to worry about it. 
Because if He gives you His salvation, if He gives you eternal life, won't He give you all these things as well? Feel His hand on your back. And hear His word. Do not be afraid. Amen.